Hi, this is uh, Mike McDonald and uh, back with PH Expanded. Uh, thank you very much for reading the blog, if you have. That was um, an interesting write. I uh, had my headline, which is what I ended up writing about and the topic that I wanted to address primarily, but it didn't seem to really reflect how I felt after the game directly after the game so I paused and I waited for about an hour and a half two hours before I I wrote and I started to come around to the fact that we'd actually won the game forgetting my frustrations at Pepe and at, and at the fact we couldn't score a third and whatever else was frustrating us and um, the fact that I spend more time behind the couch than on it and so I thought that the takeaway now that we've won and we're four points ahead is different, but um, I'm sure everybody else is writing about the way Arsenal make them feel um, and uh, how this is just squeaky bum time. It seems every game and next season we would love it to be different, but ultimately, again, if you were to do a season overview as much as We've been nervous this season so many times. The end result, I suppose, matters more than how we felt during, right? Does it? Um, anyway, and so the end result looks like, or will be actually, a better finish than most everybody predicted. And could, I would say easily, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised if we finish third. Uh, and even if Leeds are the ones that help us on Wednesday by um, drawing with Chelsea. It's a little prediction I've got. Um, I was impressed with how, at the beginning of the game, they played with so much energy and desire. And, of course, we had to really uh, bring that ourselves to compete um, and even to have a start on a level playing field. But but we were at it. So um, my sliding doors moment for the game yesterday was that energy, I think, and I wrote about it, of course, in my blog. I was tempted to go with so many other moments, of course, the back pass and Eddie's goal, um, but and probably the corner is the big moment in the game where the game actually changed. But again, when you look at the result, we won 2-1 and, and didn't collapse, thankfully. So why did that happen? And I really put a lot of stock into using the 12th man. And I don't think Arsenal have done that over the years very well. I don't think that they have energised our crowd to be um, as hostile of an atmosphere as somewhere like Anfield. Um, Or even, I remember when I uh, came back to Europe uh, back in, I think, 2016. Yeah, that was it, because it was the year Leicester won the league, and I think that's the year... And I went to Selhurst Park because that was the stadium I could get tickets for, for me and about 25 students from my school. And I took them to watch uh, Crystal Palace versus Leicester. And uh, we sat right in the corner of the main stand right next to, um, I think it's the South Stand at Crystal Palace. And there's something else, those Palace fans. Uh, The energy that they bring... And I was told it happens every single week, regardless of score. And I sort of wish that Arsenal had that, but 
I understand that Arteta is trying to get a little bit more fan involvement, a lot more fan involvement and engagement and try to figure out how to utilise the fan base and that's smart and I've been thinking of, of different things myself. Anyway, just got a lot to talk about today. I don't want to run too long. Uh, so my first positive is Arteta's contract and um, whether he is deserving or not. Well, I guess that, of course, that does matter. And I think he is deserving, absolutely deserving. Um, not only has he exceeded expectations, I think it's fair to say, but um, he seems to have the faith of everybody that ever talks about him. And they talk about him in such glowing terms, don't they? But the timing of it was just golden. The fact that he was given that after losing three games not only puts Arsenal in a good negotiating position for him to not really have um, a way to come back and say, hey, I'd like some more money, um, but it just really shows somebody, if you really do believe in them, that you really believe in them. I mean, there's no better time to, you know, stand up in the face of somebody and say, hey, I believe in you, than when they've lost. They really believe you then. Because when he got that phone call or that invitation to maybe go see the Cronkies, he might be thinking the opposite, that his job might be in jeopardy. So I was really, really impressed with that. I think that that's very clever. And I think um, maybe even more importantly than that is how the players react to that. You know, what we read online is certainly not all of what is going on. For example... Um, I think one player whose future is up in the air this summer is Granit Xhaka. And I've always anticipated every summer that he's going to go and he hasn't. And the way he started to talk recently about Arteta and Arsenal makes me think that Arsenal is his club. But really, if Arteta's the coach, that's what I took from that interview last week. And what we don't know from behind the scenes, because there's more important players than Granit Xhaka that we want to keep a hold of, is who has come knocking already. So if we have uh, already started talks with players, which we will have, and secured some signings, maybe provisionally, then other clubs are doing that too. And we can't pretend that people aren't going to come knocking for Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, uh, let me think, um, perhaps Gabriel Magalish, um, horrible pronunciation there, and so on and so forth. We now have many, many saleable assets, assets, I'm having a hard time talking tonight, gosh, um, we have many, and the first two, Saka and Martinelli, I think, Every transfer window, I think some of the biggest boys are going to come knocking for him. I always predicted that Liverpool would go hard after Martinelli. Uh, Klopp talks about him more than I think any other player in the league. and seems to love him. And I know Liverpool would love to have him. So, uh, if these players love Arteta, which is my assumption, don't know that for a fact, but seems to be going rather well for them. Um, they've been trusted this season, and last in Saka's case, then a coach's new contract 
is so much bigger than what that does for him. It's what it does for everybody. He's the head. And not just as he the head of the squad, he gives me the impression that he's the head of the club, much like Arsene Wenger was, that he has the trust of everybody and they let him run much more than they probably ever thought that they would. And in some ways, I suppose that's a good thing. It shows his talent. I just hope that it doesn't get too overwhelming, as I think it did for Arsene Wenger. But there you have it. Um, I think that's a good thing. I wanted to pick up on another positive today, and it dawned on me. probably took me too long to figure this out, but we've got, let me think, I think it's about four, four players that are currently playing, and we mostly all thought, I think, that they were all gone. And they could save us an awful lot of money, uh, time adjusting new players, taking risks that are unnecessary, and help us purchase the first name on our list rather than the second or third. So here, for example, I think most everybody is more than happy to keep Rob Holding as a option in the squad. Not only is he uh, improving, which I'll get to in just a minute, but he um, seems to be such an asset in certain games against teams where we have to go low block. He's the best in our team at heading the ball away. Um, and in the back three, when we adjust there, and you better believe that our coach is going to continue to be uh, a flexible uh, manager that's going to continue switching formations based on game state. So he's an asset. But to a lot of people in the fan base, I don't think he was an asset perhaps six months ago. People wanted him gone. So there's one that saved us money, Granite Xhaka and Elneny. There's two more, and I don't know what's going to happen with those two. Um, if I had a preference to keep one of them, I would keep Elneny um, because I just like to see Arsenal not be so reliant on Granite Xhaka. And I think that there's an upgrade there. Um, and I think that the team and club, I would hope, are ready to um, not have his leadership with other leaders emerging at the club. And and leadership is interesting because it's um, it's one of those things where sometimes you don't know who would lead until you take the current leader out. Uh, some people are just sheepish um, and maybe just respectful and don't want to show that side of their personality because it's not their job per se. And there's a lot of voices who are more experienced. So... There may be players like Thomas Partey who could be great leaders for the team but doesn't really speak up yet, you know? Um, I wonder about the centre-backs, both of them, Gabriel and Ben White, where they uh, sit in the dressing room as far as leadership is concerned. But I've got a feeling Granite Jack is going to stay. If anyone was to ask me my opinion on uh, on that, I've got a feeling that both of them may just stay, Xhaka and Elneny. And Elneny, I would keep because I just don't think that you're going to find uh, a better um, option for somebody that is content knowing their place in the squad and knowing they're not going to be first choice and has a true love for Arsenal, which is important. And um, as much as you may look at his technical ability, and not so much the technical ability, it's the athletic ability, isn't it? 
and maybe the lack thereof and, and the fact that he is too conservative sometimes. And that is the bright light that just glares when things aren't going well. There are clearly some huge upsides to him. And it's, it's no coincidence that as soon as he's come back into this team, things have stabilised. And, you know, however well we do last, uh, not last season, this uh, coming next season, we're going to have periods of time where we need some stability because things won't always go well. They never do for anybody. So I think that that's a really good one. And the other one, of course, is Eddie Nketiah. You know, I think everybody had written off Lacazette and Nketiah, Aubameyang six months ago. All of them need to leave, Get need to get two or three new strikers in. And now Eddie's put himself in, in this position where people are saying, well, why don't we just keep him? And it's a really good argument. And as I said in my blog, I'm I'm undecided as to whether we need to do that or not because, you know, the sample size to me is still a little small to know if he's going to be able to do it, has the interest to do it, the motivation to do it as a squad option. Um, that's what concerns me with him. But still, these are four players that could save us money. And this is what it could do. It could mean that instead of a Tielemans, who I'm going to talk about in just a minute, we could maybe save some money by keeping Xhaka and Elneny and not have to replace them, uh, and by Tielemans plus somebody else. Maybe you keep these guys, Elneny and Xhaka, for another season at least, um, and give Patino time to go out on loan, and you can now afford someone like Jude Bellingham if we get in the Champions League, who would be interested in coming to Arsenal, and to me is a far better option than Tielemans. And it's the same with Eddie Nketiah. If you keep him around, then perhaps now you can afford to go buy a Tammy Abraham. And I don't know the club's finances exactly. It seems to be a little weird right now as to where the money's coming from, but there seems to be money. But these four players could really uh, swing the difference Maybe it's a, a wide forward. I think Arsenal have an interest in and a wide forward as an option to replace Pepe. And again, you know, if they sell Pepe, they're not going to get probably a third of what we paid for him. But again, if we can keep a hold of some of these players and save money, maybe we can afford uh, an option that's 50 million plus. They're talking, um, uh, well, there's lots of options. Cody Gakpo, I think, is the main one. And... Um, you know, there's going to be uh, a big chunk of money going down. Um, and, and these players seem to be improving fast. And so um, I don't want Arsenal to be priced out of the market um, because we have to buy big in a couple of areas this summer and that we don't get the player that we want. But now maybe we can. And, and the other thing I was going to mention was I think that our run of form... Um, has been largely based on the personal improvement of many players. So if you think about it, Ramsdale was struggling and now he's not. He seems to have his game back, not all the way together necessarily, but he's largely got his game back. Uh, you've got Tommy Yasu coming back into the team and the improvement that he gives us. Ben White and Gabriel have been solid all season. El Nani and Xhaka, clear improvement over the last month or so over their performances before. Odegaard started to float through games, but now he seems to be dominating games. Clear improvement. Um, Martinelli, same thing. Seems to be having more effect, of course, that you've got Eddie Nketiah. And if you look around the team, that we have 
multiple players that seems to have turned this boat around for us. And it's just personal improvement. Players getting their game back. And Eddie Nketiah is probably the main one. If you look at what he was able and willing to do, maybe even six weeks ago when he was brought off the bench, to what he's able to do now. I mean, yesterday, what was remarkable to me is that every time he checked towards the ball, he kept possession. And and, and often it was just under physical um, threat behind him. But he laid off just with one touch very cleanly. He'd spin. He showed variety. Um, and there's so much improvement there in such a short period of time. But nobody ever talks about improvement because it's not a headline. It's not something that people want to read in however many characters on Twitter. It's just not as interesting. I mean, it is to me, but it's a very real thing. And when we're thinking of next season, you know, you're going to get, or you should get, an even better version of Smith-Rowe, Saka, Martinelli, and on and on, right? You should. Thomas Partey will have settled in even more. So, you know, never forget to consider improvement. Um, Coaches sometimes get wrapped up in just teaching what's necessary for the next game. But in personal improvement can make an awful lot of difference. Anyway, that's way too much happiness, right? Going to find out something negative to talk about. Um, so the need I wanted to talk about was the uh, the situation when Arsenal get the ball wide. And, you know, we attack largely by um, hitting our wings, Sacron, Martinelli or Smith-Rowe. And they are involved first. And I still sense that when they get the ball, that the player players in the middle don't make me feel like we're going to score. Now, having said that, today there were times when I was excited, but I've watched Arsenal for so many years and there's players who... I thought if you get them the ball, they're going to score. I mean, Van Persie was the the main one for me, I suppose. Henri, um, sometimes Adebayor, they just had a different level of movement and hunger. Gosh, that's by far for me the most important thing we need to buy this summer is a striker who's hungry, so hungry, just not satisfied with standing behind a defender and hoping the ball comes to them. And... I paused the screen on the rewatch a few times and as well as Eddie did today and he had another good game. There are still times where uh, he like he got the ball, did a good job holding it up, laying it off. But after that, there wasn't a burst of speed and a desire in his body language and movement to say, give me it back. He's just so chilled. He's chilled when he scores. He's chilled when he's not scoring. He's the same even-tempered guy. And I suppose that's good in some regard, but I want some fire. And I I, I keep saying we're leaving goals on the table. We, we don't have a player in the squad that can win the aerial battle in the box. We're getting good corner kick delivery, but not really executing. And it's not just the centre-forward, I get it. And, but it's mainly just... I watched City today, I suppose that's the thing, and I watched the, their midfielders playing centre-forward, which has been happening all season, De Bruyne and Foden in particular, who seem to have more hunger, they do have more hunger to score goals, finish 
than our forwards, even Eddie, who's now in form. And that's what we need, in my opinion. Uh, I want to finish off with a little chat on Tielemans. Tielemans is a player I've loved and been disappointed by both. I am impressed watching him for the most part. He has a wonderful passing range. He has a key for the blind pass, which I think is going to become more and more important in the modern game. He's going to be cheaper than most for the talent level that he has because he's probably a £60 million player, but because his contract has one more year, he's going to be cheaper than that. It's going to be closer to 30 And he's Premier League ready and his age profile is good. There's a lot to like about that. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about the fact that he's a good player for the money. But I just don't think that that's where Arsenal are at. I think that's where Arsenal used to be. They'd go find a good player for the money. That's what they could afford. But um, now we need an elite striker, at least one, and an elite central midfielder. Otherwise, sort of, what's the point? Let's just keep a hold of what we've got. So to me, I'd be okay with Tielemans because I think it's got the possibility, and he has a quite a high ceiling, he's got a possibility to be the one. I just wonder if with Champions League football we could push the boat out, and as I said earlier, a player like Bellingham would now be interested. Who's younger, I know he's going to cost more, um, could bring more goals, uh, seems to dominate the Bundesliga at such a young age, uh, already in the England team. Super, super central midfielder. Um, I look at Frankie de Jong, elite, either elite potential or, or already elite midfielders. And I wonder if really Tielemans is the one we're going after. Certainly his first choice. Anyway, that's enough from me. Um, that ultimately was a good day, even though it didn't feel like it at the time. See you after Thursday. Cheers.